Ah, yes, friends, on a Wednesday, it is OGP, the one giant podcast where you know us over here, Adam Armbrecht, over there, Andy Makowitz, covering the New York football giants, where we know that you are, sir, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Adam, big announcement. I just became an uncle again last night, right before midnight. Sydney L. Jason was born. Congratulations to uh, my my uh, my brother in law and my sister in law, Ashley and Greg. I'm like I'm like, what are they? Second cousin, brother? What is it? How does it work? You know. But everyone's healthy. Mom is doing great. Mom was a rock star. Always good to see that. Very happy for everyone. Shout out. Yeah, listen, I, as we know, I catch up with uh, with your significant other, Kelly, on my own terms and on my own time. So I knew that this was Louie, man. Great. That's awesome. And I assume um, you're going to get the the Giants gear uh, onto this little whippersnapper. We're not going to have Greg trying to do that weird thing, making them a Patriots fan. It doesn't quite add up. We're, we're located in New Jersey, obviously. So you'll take care of that, though, right? The Giants onesies already in the bag, ready to go for for Sunday. So you don't have to worry about that. Got to love that. All right, friends, that being the case, we obviously have another handful of things that we really want to get to here. Uh, We're going to talk about a couple of both draft picks and then undrafted free agents, as we've seen, by the way, awesome turnaround on the YouTube video yesterday. Really liked everyone's interaction, getting in on the conversation. So now we're going to try to take a look at some of these positions, players that can get there and crack the roster. How does what the Giants did over the draft weekend and following the draft impact this roster going forward but before we do Andy we had this curiosity around what did the New York football Giants accomplish in the draft and it's usually good to think relative to what other teams saw the board as going in and this is where uh listen it never hurts to be sticking it to the Joneses and that's where we talk about Dallas we talk about Jerry Jones and a little bit of post-draft bravado that unfortunately maybe bit them in the butt a little bit. I, I just love, like, he's just unfiltered and unhinged. And so Jerry Jones is out I'm there with Mike, Mike, McCar- Mike McCarthy, and they're basically talking about why they decided to pick Tyler Smith. And they're saying, well, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green, both, uh, you know, uh, offensive line players, everyone presumably had them ranked higher. And Jerry's got this, like, laminated card, and he's flipping it around being like, you don't know our draft strategy. We have it all set up. And the sleuths on Twitter, Credit to them for snapping a photo, framing it in real time, trying to break down and like enhance images. And and a guy named shout out to one cool customer on Twitter for being able to decipher like weird text or like handwriting <laughs> analysis. They must yeah. be like a handwriting specialist or something. Had the draft board, and my oh my, the Dallas Cowboys had Kayvon Thibodeau number one on their board, and Evan Neal was number two on the Cowboys board. Adam, how good does it feel? Like Jerry must have been sitting in that room being like, how are, how's everyone at the top of the board letting the Giants get away with robbery right now? Well, that's the beauty of it, right? Because it wasn't about like, oh, Dallas had these players on their board that they thought they could get. But to your point, it's like what we talked about last year's draft when the Eagles come up to get a receiver, right? When you feel like things are breaking for your division rivals, you're like, oh, I mean, come on, you know, should we have spent more assets to do something? How do we stop them from being a better team? And the Giants and Joe Shane, as we highly go, yeah, just kind of sit back and relax and watch Houston make one huge mistake that just lets everything fall according to plan here. So listen, anytime that you can be better than your opponent or be frustrating them or annoying them or just kind of sticking it to them a little bit, that always feels good. So I love it, man. What, what, what better way than to see that Dallas would have drawn things up exactly the same as Big Blue did? 
side side note, nothing makes me happier than to see that Dallas had two safeties ranked in the top 15. So they're behind the times in terms of the value of the position. <laughs> yes. That makes me very excited to see that they still haven't gotten it yet. So shout out to keep, keep those evaluators, whoever you've got going on, because we love the top and we love that behind them, you've got like positions that are not a value. Hopefully there's a punter in the, in the top 20 for them next time. Wouldn't mind it. On top of that, too, here, before we dive in on the action, the other thing is just earlier today, the uh, NFL announced their overseas game schedule here, which the Giants are, of course, going to be a part of. So you have uh, Minnesota taking on the New Orleans Saints. That's going to happen at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium there over in London on October 2nd. And then the New York football Giants on October 9th, 9.30 a.m. kickoff. little brunch special, if you don't mind. Also going to play take place at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium there against the Green Bay Packers. Um, do you, I mean, listen, just general reaction about the Giants going overseas, but also, um, listen, at least it makes it a, it a road game for the Packers, right? Like we lost a road game for ourselves, so it doesn't really change anything. You still got to travel and hopefully it, it, it impacts Aaron Rodgers and gives us a chance to get that one. Oh, Adam, this is bigger than that. Like oh, I know that me. you're, uh, you're downplaying it. And I'll, the other game that I know I saw, uh, that's going to be the first game in Germany was the Seahawks versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's going to yes. be, at, at, I believe in Allianz stadium in Germany, but Adam, I think you're downplaying this a little bit because I, you know, these are the things that we think about preseason that we're like, Oh, hmm, that's interesting. But then when the season rolls around, it could be the difference between another half game win for the Giants or a loss. The options for the, the Giants were going to play in London and they were going to play an away game in London. And Adam, the two choices that they were going to have to choose from was either go to Lambeau Field or go to Jacksonville. And so now the Giants, instead of <laughs> instead of having to go to London to play the Jags and then go to Lambeau to play the Packers, get to play the Packers on a neutral site where Aaron Rodgers and them are going to have to do just as much of the you know away game stuff as the Giants. And the away game is no longer at Lambeau. It's in Jacksonville. Like that works out great for the Giants. You, you know, you, you look at that and say, maybe that helps the road schedule for the Giants who are already going to have a pretty favorable schedule to begin with. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, warmer weather in October, right? Depending on how that impacts whatever you're looking to do. We don't want to listen. We're in New York, New Jersey. We believe in playing tough, playing in the elements. And also, if it could help you by having some guys healthy, playing in the sunshine, it wouldn't hurt. You're right. So a little bit of a double down there. That's going to be exciting, though, man. You mentioned the one in Germany that is true. Uh, it's a, uh, FC Bayern Munich, I believe, at their, at their home stadium. So that's going to be fun, man. Those games, for whatever it's worth, on a Sunday, those are nice. You get up early. This is the little taste of what it would be like to live on the West Coast where you get to start everything by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and it all also wraps up a little bit sooner as well. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. You kind of like you kind of like it not being your team where it's like the appetizer to the entree where like, yes. oh, you like are making breakfast. You kind of like look around the, the corner to see who's playing. But listen, for that Packers-Giants game October 9th, that's uh that's an 8 a.m. Invite your friends over for for Bloody Marys and mimosas and uh, root for Big Blue. Let's then turn our attention back into the draft, back into the undrafted free agency class as well here, because as we talked about the, the, the it's unique to now what feels like the past decade where every time the Giants came out of the draft, it was less about what player, what good players did they get? What quality players did we see here and more? Where did they make a mistake? Where did the Giants screw up here, whether it was Chris Petit, whether it was Dave Gettleman, who made a bad decision here that's going to impact the way the Giants are able to move forward into the offseason and then give the Giants fans a little bit of hope here around what they can accomplish this year. Instead, though, 
you see everyone being really excited, not just about the draft class, but also the undrafted free agents. So we're going to highlight two today. We're going to keep rolling through them. We saw a lot of comments over on YouTube uh, around a handful of players. So believe me, we know they're there. We know the wide receivers that came in, the safeties that came in, the cornerbacks that came in. But for today, we're going to start with Andy, who likes him a big, tall, tight end, and dip our toe into the undrafted free agency class and then look at that group on the depth chart, undrafted free agent out of Nebraska, Austin Allen. Andy, why does the New York football Giants fan base need to know this man's name? He is a mountain of a man. It's one of the reasons why I wanted Evan Neal. I loved Evan Neal. Evan Neal, 6'7", 351 and a half pounds was what he finally weighed in at. Austin Allen is 6'8", so he's taller, and he's 260 pounds. Adam, could you imagine the right side of the Giants offensive line running the ball behind a 6'7 and 6'8 guy, power eye to the right-hand side? Man, that would look good for the Giants. But the reason why I think it's important about Austin Allen is, you know, he's a guy that went undrafted. But when you look at it, you know, Daniel Bellinger has a little bit more athleticism. There's no question. You know, Austin Allen is not the athlete that Daniel Bellinger is. But he's a smart, heady football player. He's, he's the type of guy that I love towards the back end where it's like he just knows how to play football. And he was the Big Ten tight end of the year. Like, that, uh, you know, that's not insignificant when you think about all the type, type of talent that you have, um, you know, in that conference. He is a guy that caught um, – he caught 602 yards, two touchdowns, so the numbers won't pop off the screen. But he's a smart route runner. He really understands w- what he needs to do. When you look on sites like NFL Draft Buzz, you know, Daniel Bellinger was a 78.6 in terms of his overall abilities. When we're talking about Austin Allen, he's a 76.5. So you're talking about like only a fractional difference when it comes to drafting a guy in the fourth round versus a guy that you're picking up as an undrafted free agent. And Adam, I'm going to say something controversial and I want to turn it over to you. There is a random world where Austin Allen ends up winning the third tight end position over Daniel Bellinger, depending on how they play in camp, just because of, of him potentially fitting with like his size and the way that he runs routes. Yeah, no, listen, this is a kid again from the, un, you talk about the undrafted free agency class. Everybody was instantly excited about him. I'll make a quick mention of tight end slash fullback hybrid in Jeremiah Hall out of Oklahoma as well. And just to your point, when you turn it over, the functionality of Allen seems to be something that we go inside the position group here. We obviously know, and we're, we're going to kind of include it even inside of this wide receiver class. There's going to be guys we're going to get to here um, along the way, like a certain main product that came out. But when you look at the tight end group, it is right now, Ricky Seals, Jones, Jordan Atkins, uh, Akins, excuse me. And then Daniel Bellinger followed by Jake Hausman. There's first of all, no reason why. Allen can't immediately at least be on the starting depth chart there at the fourth. Now, how many tight ends are the Giants going to bring? We've talked about, obviously, the system underneath Brian Dable. You're not running a lot of two tight end sets, right? You're spreading this guy out wide a little bit. But my curiosity would really be, because we talked about needing cap room, is how do these tight ends perform in camp? Bellinger, Allen, you want to throw Hall in the mix for a practice squad spot, whatever you want to look at it. If these guys perform well enough, there's the world where... Akins was brought in just to be a body to make sure in case things didn't fall the right way in the draft, in case we didn't get enough guys in here. But if you can turn around and put uh, and put your your new depth chart as Seals Jones Jr. might be number one, and then number two could be Bellinger or Allen, vice versa, and then you have your third one there as well. Like 
neither of these tight ends that are on the roster are someone that you go, well, you couldn't possibly have them be lower on the depth chart or not on the roster at all. You hit the nail on the head, Adam. There's no guarantees in the tight end room for any of these players. Like, I think actually Bellinger has the best chance of, of if you put a number next to like who's going to be there, I'd say Bellinger is almost at the top because, mm-hmm. listen, Ricky Seals Jones was signed. He's a complimentary guy. He's not going to blow the, blow the top off of a defense. Adam, he signed a one year, $1.18 million deal with 350K guaranteed. So right. if you were to outright release him, you'd lose 350K of savings. But then again, you know, you're paying, you know, an undrafted free agent six, seven hundred grand. You're actually going to save money in the long run. So if it's a tie, you would almost move on. I, I do think that you, you you need at least one veteran depth piece there. So I think one of those guys will make it. Yeah. But Adam, J- Jordan Eakins, one year, one million dollar deal with 50K guaranteed. Oops. That 50K means that that 50K guarantee means there's no guarantee that he's going to be on the roster at, when we break training camp. There is a world where Allen and Bellinger both make this roster. And one of those two veteran tight ends does not. And let me just throw in a couple extra stats here that I happen to have on the kid. He had five catches of 30 plus yards in 2021 and averaged 15.8 yards per catch. Now they say like he's not necessarily as big of a red zone threat as you might think he would be with his size, but he also carried a 71% first down to touchdown catch rate. So this is a guy that you think about in some big spots when you need to move the chains, when we're not sure, you know, who's going to be the most reliable player there in those situations. We've gone smaller a little bit with getting Robinson, right? Just having a big body that seems to have the right burst and get off it, it, to get some little bit of room there. Cause I, I don't know if it was Allen or this might've been for hall here who didn't have a great 40 time, but had a great, the, the split, right? The 10 yard split. And what that tells you is these are guys that are capable of just getting that first step, that first burst to create a little bit of room here to make them a viable option in the receiving game as well. Yeah, the, well, the reason why we didn't profile Hall is because I think he's going to have a tougher time yes, making this 100%. roster because 100%. he he's also like a hybrid fullback tight end. He's not he's not your primary pass catcher out to the side. He's a guy that not likes to be to negative. It's what it's what some people profile. They go, "This sounds like a Joe Judge guy," and you go, "Well, I don't think you need to put that type of name on it." But the versatility is nice, and also that's just his path to try to catch on here. Well, the, the way that I thought about it in my head is like, if Jeremiah Hall had an opportunity to potentially make this roster, why wouldn't you just go get Eli Penny and bring him back, right. knowing what he brings to the table as that kind of like hybrid fullback, running back, pass catcher, like out of the backfield? So, you know, I, I've profiled Allen a little bit more because I think he has a better chance to make this roster just because of his sheer size and, and what the what the Giants are trying to do. So don't be surprised if Austin Allen makes this roster and a guy like Jordan Aiken does not. And the, and the room looks like one veteran leader with two of these young guys to build right behind them. But Austin Allen gets me excited about having a 6'8 guy with a huge frame. That is, of course, if Ryzen John ends up not being able to <laughs> If Ryzen John can't make the cut. Well, by the way, like for like, it probably means there's a couple of guys that aren't going to be here. As we said yesterday, fond farewell to many back into the roster practice squad guys because that's the nature of the turnover. On top of which, though, but Kai McFadden, inside linebacker, as we had talked about. Listen, some people seemed a little bit discouraged by this pick in the draft, um, wondering what he's going to be capable of. We'll talk a little bit about RAS scores, which is the overall, the relative athletic score, and what it means when you're inside of a draft class, knowing that sometimes what you sacrifice with later picks is the natural athleticism, right? So we'll dive into that as we move through the week here. But when you talk about McFadden, we kind of said it, you know, look at him as being a guy that's going to play right behind, and we'll get into the depth chart here in a second right behind a Blake Martinez the heir apparent potentially at that position going to push for reps early on 
biggest thing that jumped out to me just when you went inside of his stats in his senior year, 77 total tackles, 49 solo, 28 assists, but 15 and a half tackles for a loss to go with his six and a half sacks. You know, I saw somebody who was a little bit trolling on the idea of drafting this kid, missing a tackle out on the sideline, didn't quite wrap up a wide receiver. And I went right ahead and threw up a whole bunch of highlights of him spearing through the offensive line, drilling down on running backs, meeting them in the backfield, finding a way to hit his gap assignments. And then just again, in that Blake Martinez kind of role, this guy gets it. He's a smart football player that gets to his spot specifically in run defense. And I think actually has, We'll, we said when we talk about that RAS score, a little bit better of an athletic upside than people realize. So when I make the Blake Martinez comparison, I don't want it to feel like, you know, so a guy that can only play down in the box. And as soon as a tight end goes out for a pass, you really get freaked out. He has short yardage zone coverage ability as well. This is a guy that will, when we get into this depth chart, I, you have to accept the fact and in a very positive way, he's going to be playing playing this year for the New York football giants. And this is going to be a mid late round pick for big blue that can have a real impact. Yeah, he, he does. And his athleticism just pops off when you when you watch him play. We mentioned that the linebacking position was going to be a spot that Joe Judge was going to need to uh, – Joe Judge. Joe Shane was going to need to need to address. And and he did. His and name at your mouth. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you talked about uh, Jeremiah Hall being a, a Joe Judge guy. Oh, and then I'm like, yeah. Joe Judge, I forgot about that name. I, I, I had taken it away <laughs> from my brain. And then all of a sudden now it's at the top. Don't say Joe Judge. Don't say Joe Judge. Here we are. Um, fun fact, McFadden actually comes from Plant High School in Tampa, Florida, where Christian Watson went to school. So they were, I believe they were teammates uh, at the time. Um, I got that info from my buddy, shout out Brian Hugo, who said it's a, it's a football factory in, in Florida. So you know he's got the pedigree, um, went, to, went to Indiana University and, and shined there. I really do like this pick. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Darian Beavers you know, and some of the draft guys that, that came in later. But Adam, this is a great, great undrafted, you know, uh, or a great uh, find in terms of what Joe Judge is looking to do and how we're going to revamp when you only have Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez coming off an injury. Yeah, this is this is we talked about the trade back, right? When you trade back from 36 two times to get to 43, it's what adds the extra pick where you're able to get the tight end in Bellinger, where you're able to get another inside linebacker like McFadden at one would end up being 112, 114, and then 146 and 147, right? So when we look inside this, the depth chart here now, it's interesting because I I, I think they're just, to me, it's just this is a mislabeling. You can only go by, you're not going to get an official depth chart from the Giants at any point here soon, but Blake Martinez listed there as a starter with Tay Crowder alongside of him. They put Makai McFadden right behind Blake, and then Darian Beavers gets put behind McFadden. I think that's just, a little, they're making a bit of a mistake there. You're going to want to move Beavers up on the depth chart. But to the point of where the turnover is going to come from here, you know, sadly, Carter Coughlin, right? Cam Brown, Justin Hilliard, TJ Brunson, like all of those names get shoved right down to the backside of this thing. And both Makai McFadden and Darian Beavers, I think, are one, two at the very least on the depth chart behind, even if you have Tay Crowder starting, if he sticks around. And I'll be honest with you, man. Like, you know, for all that Tay Crowder has been recently, I think you at least have to acknowledge the fact that, again, new regime. There's some world where you're looking at at a situation that Tay Crowder could be a depth piece or maybe not on this roster, just about situational fit. And, and McFadden, again, team captain, right, in terms of honors that he had over the course of his collegiate career. He was the first team all Big Ten, second team all Big Ten, coaches and media selection, the athletic midseason, All-American, right? So when you start going through, and that's only halfway through the list, by the way, of the accolades that he that he's brought in, which I think 
speaks to what the what the Giants are looking for, what Joe Shane are looking for. Reliability, consistency, and the type of guy that could be a leader in the middle of that defense as well. I, I think that, you know, one of the awards that you missed is, you know, the team voted him the most valuable player on the team. He just feels like that inside linebacker that wears the green dot that's going to control everything. You need it. And you and you never have to worry about is his head in the game? Does he want to be a leader? Does he want to do well? Like he's a guy that you put in there and and he's got the athleticism to back it up, but also like you're never worried about his intelligence or making sure people are, are in the right spot. I think McFadden is a great pick. I think he's gonna make this roster and I think he's going to push further and further up the depth chart with you know Beavers in terms of being able to get on the field earlier than most giant fans would think. Yeah. And it's interesting just to put it alongside of him here too, because I think it's worth mentioning because we're, we're, we're always going to get back to Beavers here, but because he was brought in also inside linebacker again, coming out, by the way, he spent two years at Connecticut before transferring over to Cincinnati for the final three seasons of college. He's going to come in there with 11 tackles for a loss, four sacks. He had 98 total tackles. So again, for me, a lot of these guys, and I think McFadden falls into that category as well. It's kind of, you know, they had to be well-seasoned, right? Especially when we talk about mid and later round picks. And we think that Beavers ended up being a steal as late as he was taken. But it was about developing up to and then saying, hey, they're just starting to reach what I think their best football is going to be as they get into the NFL. And that's where you're trying to target key players that you can bring in and feel like they can have a real impact for you. Beyond that, though, um, as we talk about where we're going to go from here, we already know, uh, you know, I'm going to make it very clear. We understand that there's a lot of players that the that the Giants fan base is excited about, talking about the undrafted free agency class as well. There's a couple, as we said, uh, wide receivers that we want to get into, obviously. There's also, just to, to, to mention it here, linebacker uh, Fox out of North Carolina, where Joe Shane was there scouting, picked up two offensive linemen in that process over the course of the draft. They got another defensive tackle in Hinton out of Michigan. Strong player, uh, Yusuf Corker. Safety out of Kentucky. We're going to touch into him as well to say nothing of another Jabari Ellis out of South Carolina. We mentioned Truesdale already, the tight end group. And then there's even another player here that I want to dive in a little bit deeper tomorrow, but that's Zion Gilbert out of Florida Atlantic, because just to give you a little bit of a tease here, this is a player that the New York football giants look at. He had top 30 visits with both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas city chiefs to say nothing of, of where he was projected to go. This is a kid that people believe could have an impact. He's a little bit heavier than Flot, same type type of height, six foot six one. But there's a real belief here when you look inside the secondary of this defense for the New York Football Giants that it may not be as secure as, as you may think for some of the younger players. Do you? Because I think we can, we can get out of here on this note and kind of set the table around these positions. How many players do you think inside of the secondary really are secure in their jobs? Because when I look inside that room. I, I can tell you, yeah, obviously it's going to be a Dory Jackson. We're, we're still thinking that James Bradbury is going to be moved here at some point, but I don't think that Julian Love is secure in his spot there as a backup safety special teamer. I don't think that Darnay Holmes is secure in his job, and I don't even know if Darius Williams is secure in his roster spot. I think they're all competing, but when you see multiple players brought in through the draft and then another handful in undrafted free agency – you don't bring in five, six guys to compete in the secondary unless you think there's a couple of dudes that are probably going to fall off here on the back end. Plus all the guys that were early on the practice squad. So like you're, you're talking yeah. about a, a whole nother group of players that could push. Look, I, I think, you know, for me that when you talk about the secondary, Darnay Holmes is the name that comes to mind most for yeah. me. I think where Williams seems to be tall, long athletic. Like I kind of think 
he has a better opportunity to make this roster if healthy than Darnay Holmes being a slot guy. Knowing that Flot just came in is a little bit wiry, can play both inside, outside. There's a lot of flexibility there for the Giants. But yeah, I mean, when you think about you know, how this team started last year and, and the different players that were sh- starting between O'Shane Ximenez and Lorenzo Carter, now it's you know Kayvon Thibodeau and Zizo Jolari. Like things change pretty quickly for the Giants. And Adam, I, I, I'll, I'll get get us closer to out the door on this one. I had a thought for you. Sure. At the end of the day, we always ask, how good can the Giants be in this upcoming season? And we continue mm-hmm. to temper expectations. And we're going to be those typical Giant fans. I'll probably get more excited as we get closer to the season, and then say we're going to the Super Bowl. But there's, <laughs> you know, there's a 53 man roster, and we talk about how quickly can the Giants get good at them. The Giants just drafted 11 guys. Yeah. To be able to overhaul this, that is 20% of the roster. If all of those guys make it that are gone, you look at guys like um, Glowinski and you look at other guys that, that have, you know, Feliciano that are likely going to start for this team. Then you're talking about the undrafted free agents who we just mentioned. I could see Austin Allen making this roster. I think Jay Sean Corbin has a great chance to make this roster. You're talking about 15, 16, maybe even 17 guys out of a 53-man roster that are going to be completely different than what the Giants put out on the field. And we were talking about 30% of the roster being turned over. That's how NFL teams go from worst to first very quickly is they get these impact players at the top of the draft, they get better depth, and they turn over a third of the roster. Yeah, listen, to say nothing of, I mentioned these two names, Corker and Gilbert, safety, cornerback. Like These are guys that are going to walk into the camp here and make some noise. And I think you know, relative to what the expectations are of the season. Well, that's that, that's to be determined. But the difference is the Giants, I think in this way, and again, maybe it is perceptual around Joe Shane being the GM, right? But it feels like what they did in the draft and then undrafted free agency, oh, there's a lot of young talent. And you think about Wink Martindale and you think about Kafka and the systems that they're going to run on both sides of the ball where, you know what? There's going to be mistakes that are going to get made. There's going to be a learning curve. But there's also going to be excitement. There's also going to be a fast pace to everything that gets done, right? There's going to be this like raw energy, I think, to what the Giants do offensively and defensively that gets you excited in a different way. All these other times it was, well, can Darius Williams crack the roster? Will Aaron Robinson potentially be a player? Instead, it just feels like, again, because we're rolling this thing over, get out there. Flot, you know, Flot, get on the field. Like Belton, get some reps. That's right. Let's see what you're capable of doing. And the growing pains will be there, but so will the excitement and the possibility of how these guys can get better week by week across this season. So listen, you know, you can see where we're headed here. Hope's going to spring eternal, my friends. Well, well, Adam, you brought up a great point. It also is like, this goes to show how much of the roster needed to be turned over to get this vision going. We're talking about maybe 15 guys coming in. The Giants had so many different holes to fill. You just got to get depth and continue to get depth and get players that you could hit a home run on. And then guess what? Next offseason, Adam, you look at the landscape. You say we've we've pretty much got 80 to 85% of our roster the way that we want it. Now we go in free agency and we pick and choose those one or two pieces that complement everything that we've built over the last year. And now we're really, truly ready to compete with the roster that Joe Shane, Dayball, Kafka, and Wink Martindale envisioned from the start. You better believe it, man. We come right back in tomorrow. We're going to talk about more of the players that were brought in here in undrafted free agency, continue to flesh out the players inside of the draft, those 11 picks, as Andy mentioned, and wide receiver Andre Miller out of Maine. Do not worry. We heard people mention him inside of the YouTube channel. We get it. We're excited about him, too, and we're going to discuss him because, again, that wide receiver room 
is another spot where there is a lot of opportunity for players to make noise and a lot of guys that you may see there right now that might not be there come week one of the NFL season. Listen, I say it that I said it at the top, I'll say it again here, man. Absolutely elated with how many people showed up for the high noon. That's when we're releasing these things going forward over on YouTube. Get the podcast wherever you see those needs fulfilled. Get in on the conversation. We absolutely could not love it anymore, and we're going to keep bringing it every single day because we appreciate the support you guys give us, and uh, that, that's, that's, that's the deal. We just want to make sure that we continue to say how much we genuinely appreciate the support that we're seeing across all the platforms. Follow us at OGP One Giant Podcast. We will be back in tomorrow breaking down another player in the draft, another player in undrafted free agency, and talking about how New York football giants have a bright future ahead of them. But until then, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.